Thank you, Tone. Hello, everybody. My name is Brad. I'm lead pastor here. We had a staff day away recently where we were uh, asking the question, where, is, where do we see God moving in our ministry? And um, one of the things we noted as staff is this, uh, the movement of God in a call to minister, minister to people with special needs. We are an interesting congregation in that we have staff members who have children with special needs. We have uh, Johnny and Fred's represented uh, by Jane. And we feel like God's up to something here, and we need to pay attention to that. And so it is our hope, uh, in, as leaders of the church, that we would lean more deeply into that, and we're trying to discover how to continue to do that. So we're grateful, Jane and Elizabeth and Hal, uh, to have them here and, and help guide us along the way. Um, We've been in a series called Simplify, and uh, the goal has been, it's just a three-week series, as we went from a series all about serving the least of these, and before we got to uh, Advent and Christmas, I thought, you know what, why don't we, in November, spend some time looking at how do you really... um, intentionally simplify, because we all said, yes, we want to serve the least of these. How do we simplify our lives? How do we simplify our finances, our stewardship in ways that actually equip us to do that, especially as we head into Christmas where uh, we tend to overspend, etc. This is the last day of this particular series. The first day we talked about um, decluttering our, our, uh, our finances, and uh, then last week we talked about how uh, a plan is, uh, is very important. If, if, uh, if, you, you know, if you fail the plan, then you, you plan to fail. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, and today, as I noted last week, uh, we have a special guest. Before we get there, though, I'd like to look at us to look at this verse. This will be up on that screen, and there it is. Let's say this together. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. And with that, I have a, I have a joke. Uh, uh, just to kind of, you know, go from there to a joke. I think, I think it'll work. You'll like it. Uh, two men crashed in their private plane on a South Pacific island. Both survived. One of the men brushed himself off and then proceeded to run all over the island to see if they had any chance of survival. When he returned, he rushed up to the other man and he he screamed, This island is uninhabited. There is no food. There is no water. We are going to die. The other man leaned back against the fuselage of the erect plane, folded his arms, and responded, No, we're not. Uh, I make over $100,000 a week. The first man grabbed his friend, shook him. Listen, we are on an uninhabited island. There is no food. There is no water. We are going to die. The other man, unruffled, again responded, No, I make over $100,000 a week. 
mystified, the first man, taken aback with such an answer, again repeated, for the last time, I am telling you, we are doomed. There is no one else on this island. There is no food. There is no water. We are, we are, I repeat, we are going to die. Still unfazed, the first man looked the other in the eye and said, don't make me say this again. I make $100,000 a week. I tithe 10%. Trust me, my pastor will find us. <laughs> a little humor for a sensitive topic. Uh, <laughs> So let me give you some context uh, to my friend Dave Jacobson. <clears throat> uh, Jill and I, when we got married, we uh, went through the premarital pathway, uh, a counseling pathway that Plymouth Covenant Church, uh, where Jill used to go, where Dave and his wife go, uh, <clears throat> uh, as, as part of the process in premarital counseling. And I was very impressed as a pastor to see that this church in premarital counseling actually required that people sit down with a finance coach to look at how to steward their resources once they come together as a couple. So Jill and I met with Dave, and I had a very positive experience, and, and then we continued to meet with him, and we continued to meet with him, and then we actually continued to meet with him uh, to this day. And um, I wanted to end this series by being as helpful as possible. And Dave's much smarter than I, and so he is going to uh, dialogue with me about how to be good stewards uh, with the resources God has given us. So give Dave a big round of applause. Thanks, Brad. Hello, Dave. You know what? Let's, let's move this back a little bit. There we go. That way everyone can see us. Dave, as we get going... Look at all these wonderful, shiny faces out here. Uh, Dave, what's your background? My background? Um, well, I've always been interested in personal finance uh, ever since I was a little kid. Went to college, got a business administration degree, thought I was good with money, um, and started to explore how I can do things with money or, or get a vocation. And the only things out there were selling insurance, selling investments. Um, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to do that. But I had a mentor, and uh, he was very successful in insurance sales. And as he painted the picture of how he has, was helping people transform their lives, I'm like, you know what, maybe I'm missing understanding what it is. I, uh, so I, I went into insurance sales, didn't like it, quit six months later. And I figured that, you know what, this money thing maybe isn't a path for me. Um, I, I went on and did some other things, mainly in the sales and entrepreneurial uh, areas. Um, but at the same time, I was searching for my calling and what I wanted to be. My wife and I had uh, been married three years. Remember, I was good with money and was interested in it. We looked up in three years in marriage, and things were starting to get tight. Uh, we were never in crisis or having issues, but things were a little bit tighter. And we just added it up one day. Uh, we had uh, $58,000 of consumer debt and $1,500 a month going out in payments. We're like, oh, that's why it's tight. So we came up with the brilliant idea of, after reading and researching, maybe we should do a budget. Maybe we should start being more intentional and planning. And to tell you the truth, the first year we kind of fumbled through it a little bit. Um, but once we got intentional and got on the same page with what our passion was and why we were really doing this, uh, within three years we killed that uh, 58,000. 
Um, the, the, the neat thing about it was, remember the whole goal initially was to free up to $1,500 a month, so we had some kind of some cushion between us in life, is when we looked back at it, and as I continued to read and research what wealthy people actually did and the habits and behaviors, it wasn't um, in avoiding what society was telling us, right? Um, it was really interesting because when I looked back, um, the biggest transformation was not the $1,500 a month. It was that my wife and I were finally on the same page and heading in the same direction. And a light bulb went off for me that um, this is what people needed to hear. Um, and then as I continued to read and research, I found a number of other tools and techniques and habits and behaviors that have, have really helped us get to, to where we're at today. And, and those are the same tools and techniques okay. we're working with you and Jill on. And, and so now, <clears throat> you, are, uh, you call yourself a money coach. Or, yeah. or is, so what is a money coach? So uh, I work on mindset, behavior, and habit. Um, no advising. I don't sell insurance. I don't sell investments. No products at all. So it's all uh, working with people to find out where they're at. Because everybody knows what they need to do. Live on less than you make, save, give, have a plan. Okay? It's, it's simple, but it's hard to do. And everybody's unique with how they're brought up with money, how they think about money, how they interact with money. And then when a couple gets married, you combine those two, you're sometimes out of sync. So it isn't an intelligence thing. It's how do I adapt this money thing to work for me? And what I do as a coach is get to know an individual, how they work with money, where they want to go, what their true passions are. We, we really work a lot on the why is what I call it, of, of why you're doing this. Um, and then I just watch and learn how you work with money and then uncover those roadblocks, hurdles, um, and, and make this work for you, usually by simplifying things, which is why I like this topic. Yeah. So just a heads up, uh, two things. One, uh, we are going to be doing Q&A throughout uh, this discussion, and so, and it's not going to really be just at the end of the discussion. Um, you can text in a question, and I'll be kind of field them, fielding them as we go. Um, so if you're new to faith, uh, you can text in a question uh, to that number right there, and I will um, uh, be checking my phone, not to check scores somewhere, but to, to check uh, any questions you have. Also, if you, if you want, you can write down a question. If you don't have your phone with you, or you don't want to text, you can write down a question in the Ask Pastor Brad card in the uh, seat pocket in front of you. The other thing I just want to say, uh, <clears throat> we have a number of people in the congregation who uh, work with finance and do a great job, and you might be wondering, well, how come someone from our congregation isn't doing this right now? Let me just say this. Um, if I choose one of you from the congregation, then I have another ten of you who are mad at me because I didn't choose you. Uh, and so this is uh, trying to choose someone just objectively to come in. Uh, Dave is not here to sell anything. Uh, I just thought what I've learned from him would be helpful for all of us. So there's that. And um, as, a, as a side note, I'll add, um, I, my calendar's booked. I, I don't have any openings, so I have nothing to sell, so if that helps at all. <laughs> all right, Dave, a lot of people would rather go to the dentist than uh, have someone look at their financial picture. Uh, why, why do you say, why would you say money causes so much anxiety for people? Because it brings up the past and bad things, and that's, we're taught from a young age we're not supposed to talk about money, or 
we maybe aren't taught that. Nobody actually told us this, but nobody shares it with us. So we think there's this wall that needs to be up. Not only that, but I think people focus on money for the wrong reasons. Um, When they think of money discussions, they think of the tactical money stuff. Money is just a tool. It's a resource that he's given us and that we're supposed to be good stewards of. But when we get into the muck of it, we think of, oh, if I'm going to talk about budgets. For instance, when people come to me for coaching, they initially think, oh, Dave's going to tell me that I have to cut cable or he's going to tell me that I can't do this and I don't want those restrictions. Have I ever mentioned to you or Jill what to do or not to do with your money? No. Yeah. (laughs) I don't really care. Um, So the the idea is what we want to do is focus on something more important, where you're striving for, why you're even doing this. If you get a strong, passionate reason why you're following through, the spending plan, I call it a spending plan versus a budget, your plan for your spending falls into alignment as long as those two are in sync, that your spending is in alignment with what your belief system is. It, there's really no issue with talking through this stuff because all you're talking about is your hopes and dreams then. And in a budget is a tool to help you communicate, stay on the same page, and follow through. Yeah, one, one of the things we first had to do was Jill and I put together a, a purpose for our marriage and lives. Uh, it had nothing to do, so to speak, with money. It was about why do you exist? What do you what do you believe your purpose is? What's your why? Which is you you continue to bring us back to to the why. Um, why is the why so important in even daily looking at how you manage your money? Can I tell a story? Sure. Okay, I, I learned this um, early on in, in coaching. It was uh, I've been coaching ten years, worked with over two thousand clients. I don't I hope it's okay. I stand. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so um, I was working with the Andersons, and the Andersons were referred to me by um, a, a couple that I had worked with, and they had seen this a, a really cool transformation. And the Andersons have been struggling. Um, they've been married fourteen years. They'd averaged two overdrafts per month. Um, their marriage was strained. They, were, they weren't in the divorce phase. They were very strong believers and things like that, but it's just strained. They weren't getting the traction that they wanted. They lost their hope. They lost their, their passion for, for what was going on, and they really didn't believe um, anything was going to change. When they came to me for coaching, we ran some really quick numbers. I said, you know, based on your numbers, if you were able to follow through, it's going to be about seven years before you can get out of debt, and that's if you can follow through. They were not too excited about that because for 14 years they've already been battling this, right? And so they said, well, we've tried everything. We've already visited with our friends. Um, And by the way, each recommendation that I give is unique to each individual that I work with. But they started to list off what their friends had told them, right? Um, We've already tried the cash envelope system. We've already tried budgeting. We've already tried this. We've already tried that. Nothing works for us. We know coaching isn't going to work either, but here we are. Like, all right. (laughs) That's great. So we we start the first month, and they were kind of half in, kind of dipping their toe. They weren't really into it. And we started with the same why process, but it didn't connect with them. They were just too stuck, too lost, didn't have the hope, right? But they implemented some of the systems, and for the first month, for the first time ever, they didn't have an overdraft. Now, to me, I'm like, that's a huge win. They're like, oh, that was a fluke. I'm like, all right. So where I'm going with this is the importance of a strong, passionate why. Two weeks later, 
um, as we were talking through things, and one of the things I didn't mention, the reason that they had uh, the debt that they had, and literally, it was only 30000 um, It wasn't as big as it technically could have been, given their situation and things like that. They said one of the reasons for our income, or our debt issue, was um, our son Josiah um, has had medical bills, on, and we can't figure out what's going on with Josiah. Like, okay. Well, they came into the session and said, well, we had an appointment uh, and we've got some medical updates for you. And I'm thinking as a coach, okay, we're going to add some more uh, items to the, the debt list, right? And they kind of paused and they said, what we found out today is that our son Josiah is never going to be a fully functioning adult. Okay? He's never going to be able to care for himself. If we don't clean up our mess... How are we going to take care of our son? Because our family, our relatives cannot do that. We have to not only clean up our mess, we have to build a fund for Josiah. What do we need to do? Okay. Um, some really cool things that happened. 14 months later on their anniversary, their debt was gone. Okay. It's not the perfect budget, line by line, perfect. I can hand somebody a perfect budget that measures their income and outgo and it's all planned out, they don't follow through unless you want to. That is the importance of a why and why you're doing this. So, yeah. yeah. So, and with that, let's, let's talk about uh, the word intentional. So, one of Dave's favorite words, I, I think, is intentional. He, he closes his emails with be intentional. Yeah. Uh, why, why is that word so important in stewarding our whole lives? Can I have some fun? Hmm? Can I have some fun and do some sure, interaction? Sure, yeah, okay. absolutely. Who has $10, a $10 bill? I, I need $10 to do this process. $10? Okay, we got one here. Cool. The first thing you need, thank you, is income. Thank you very much, by the way. <laughs> First thing we need is income, okay? So the average median household income out there is around 50000 And I'm going to use rough numbers. But if you have $50,000 of roughly average income from age, let's say, 20 to uh, 65. So that's 45 years. 45 years, uh, that it comes to about $2.6 million, okay, flowing through your fingers, okay? You have one chance at each one of those dollars to give it, save it, or spend it. It's really the only three options, right? Give it, save it, or spend it, right? Those are the only options. The average 65-year-old, by the way, had, uh, gets, when they're 65, they have $25,000 set aside for retirement. Okay? So through their life, because they haven't been intentional, that money has slipped through their fingers. Okay? doesn't maybe mean that they're making bad choices and things like that. We're just not being fully intentional. So to walk you through, and I think one of your questions on here is how we can simplify the budgeting process, I need a volunteer, somebody to come up. Anybody want to volunteer? Come on up, please. Okay. So we've got $2.5-ish million flowing through our fingers throughout our lifetime. And the idea is that we're going to become intentional with it. But most people just uh, go through life and... They'll get a bonus, they'll uh, get a tax refund, and you look back a couple, three months later, and it's gone, right? So, do you know the game, what's your name? Serena. Serena, do you know the game where you do the money drop and you try to catch it? You do? Shoot. 
You might be good at this. Okay, step a little closer. Okay, so I want you to hold out your fingers like you're going to grab it. So um, it was 2.5 million, was it? Oh, shoot. So that's what happens. Now, we had the income. Thank you. Hang on, you're not done, Sabrina. <laughs> we had the income. We knew the income was coming in, but we didn't have a plan for it. Right? So we're going to be intentional. Now, when you catch this $10, are you going to give it, save it, or spend it? Spend it. Okay, cool. That's cool. So I don't care what you do with your money. Okay? So you're going to spend it on what? Target. Okay, is there something specific at Target since you're getting help? I really like office supplies. Office supplies. Okay. All right. We can go with office supplies. So we're going to get very specific, and we're going to write office supplies on this. I'm excited about office supplies. Okay. So when you catch this money, it's $10, what is it going to go for? $10. Yeah. What is it going to go for? Office supplies? Okay. Here's, now that we know the income's coming in, we have a plan for it, where it's going to go. On three, I'm going to go one, two, three, and on three, I'm going to drop it. You catch it. One, two, three. Okay? That is budgeting. You, have an in, uh, you know the income's coming in, you have a plan for it, and you put it there. Okay? So, what is this for? Office supplies. Yeah, I can't read my writing, but it does say office supplies. Okay, good job. Thank you. So, yeah, well, go ahead. I was just going to say this giving thing is awesome. Yeah. Does anybody have more money for me? Uh, no. Thank you. And I have a replenishment for you of $20. Well, then you should give her the 10 for her office. Oh, did she give it back to you? Oh, you got to keep it. Oh. So, gave 10, gets 20, givers are natural receivers. Dave, uh, question. So you, you did something, to, you did two things that, that were um, uh, not new for us, but uh, were, were in, intentional ways of being accountable. Uh, what you just had in your hand was cash, yep. and then you put that cash in an envelope. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, that is a, uh, a longer process, but um, the, the idea is, once we have our strong passion at why, we want to go, and it, this is, it can be a, initially a painful process. Just know some of you are going to go home, you're going to be excited, you're like, we're going to try this budgeting or spending plan thing. It isn't going to be perfect the first month, and you have to be okay with that. There's going to be about eight issues. Just remember the reason why you're doing it, and you'll be able to work through, learn, and grow. But the idea is we want to get very specific about where our money is going and why and communicating that if you're married with your spouse. Because then you're both in alignment based on what your belief system is, right? But the more we can break it down, and technically I would say what type of office supply, the more we can break it down, the more we can feel where it's going. And we don't look back with regret, remorse, and we can move forward with contentment, knowing that, okay, this money is going where I want it to go. 
Um, so the, the cash process really helps with that. It's not a requirement. You don't have to do it. It just really is a powerful way uh, to, to uh, remain intentional and accountable. When that money is gone, you're done. It's, it's as simple as that. So um, you talked about couples, and uh, people are usually in relate whether whether they're uh, dating or whether they are married, even if they're single, they're in relationship with money and others. <laughs> um, and I have a couple questions here from uh, the congregation about uh, relationships and money. Uh, one question I'm going to give you a. a they all kind of flow together. Uh, one question says, what do you re- recommend to couples or families who have a different money language? Where do you start if you can't even get on the same page because you have different philosophies? And um, this one says, uh, uh, if I have family members, parents or siblings who struggle with debt but are afraid to talk about money, what can I do to point them toward hope and convince them to act? You, you counsel uh, a weekly sit-down, yep. a weekly meeting, and to tell us about that and how that plays into the importance of communication, et cetera. Exactly. So the first thing people usually are thinking of, what magic wand do you have? What specific phrase, what event can happen to make everything come into sync? Doesn't happen. You have been built and have habits and behaviors from a long time. Know that you have to be patient. And it's going to take a while to turn the ship, get on the same page, and, and things like that. One of the habits that I encourage couples to do, and this actually works for singles too, is to set aside a standing weekly meeting. Um, Fifteen minutes where you just visit with your spouse. And, and usually because I'm a financial coach, they're like, okay, what money topics do we need to talk about? Yeah, money can be part of it. But it's a, a chance for you two to connect and communicate, get on the same page about what's going on for the week. Um, some of you are, are, have young kids that you're juggling around to sports and you're like, I can't keep track of things, right? And you're just juggling and moving things around. Some of you are single moms and you're trying to uh, just navigate life and, and try to stay on top of things. And um, it gets to be really tough. So during that weekly meeting, we can say Sunday night at 8 p.m. to 8.15, Five minutes of that is going to be setting out our calendar for the week. Who's going where? Who's bringing the kids? Um, what are we going to do for meals? Those types of things. So we can just go into the week, and when we get to Thursday, and we're getting kind of tired, and things, a lot of things are going on, and we're juggling, and we're like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go home and cook. Oh, neither do I. We probably don't have any food anyway. Actually, Thursday's chicken. It's home. Let's go home and eat. Uh, because we've communicated and we talk through it. So a weekly standing meeting gets us communicating on a consistent basis. doesn't mean we can't talk outside of that, uh, but it's an intentional time to focus on, okay, what is our thing that's important to us? What do we need to accomplish this week? Um, and, uh, and, and just get aligned in a, a kind of a serious way a little bit. Um, and uh, that really helps us with following through. The, the, the idea of, well, when I think of a weekly meeting like that, I think one of the fears people have is, well, then I'm going to have to be accountable. <laughs> yeah. the, the reason, well, the reason why we wouldn't have a meeting like that is I don't want to have to be as accountable. And one of the things I've learned from you, we've learned from you, is the great gift, actually, of accountability. 
sitting down and and um, planning together. Because if you plan together, then you have two people who are uh, looking at the piece, at the different pieces of the puzzle, and have, have having to navigate that. Um, is there anything else you'd like to say about uh, just accountability? Because uh, one of the things you do actually is is help hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't like the idea of being held accountable because it feels like you might be giving something up or can't do other stuff. But I think what you've experienced, what the Andersons experienced, is once you get over that initial hump of um, figuring this out and getting a system and process in place and all that other stuff, is you actually get to do more. And when you get to the other side, it is so cool. Um, the peace, the contentment, the freedom to actually... Uh, do the things you want to do, and because your spending is aligned with your your belief system, you don't look back with as much regret about where your money went, and you're like, you know, I can actually do some fun stuff and save and give, and it's all working together, so it gets to be freeing. Mm. So, yes, the accountability starts off because I think people's mindset is set to accountable means... Somebody's holding me to this line and I don't have freedom or, or um, the ability to just kind of do whatever. You can actually build that in, too. So, um, yeah. So when you, you talked about uh, give, save, or spend, mm-hmm. what if you want to save and you want to give? I think everyone knows they want to spend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I have a desire to give. I have a desire to save. But I have so much debt. I don't see any margin to give or save. Where, where do we start from, if that's the dilemma? I start in the same place, uh, refocusing on what's important to you. Okay? Then we, um, so you refocus, gain control, then set a plan. Where most people start is the plan phase. Okay? And it's not a bad place to start, but when you start with the plan, so it's refocus, gain control, set a plan. When you start with the plan phase, I want to save, I want to give, and you start messing with the numbers about how much you want to do in each. So you maybe uh, want to retire at 68, and you visit with an advisor, and they say, you can get there if you set aside $600 per month. You're like, okay, so that's kind of a planning thing, right? Well, because you haven't gained control in that middle phase, you don't know exactly what's coming out or going in, going or coming in, going out, and you don't have a system and process to follow through, and you don't really believe you're going to follow through. Um, what's the point? Because you've got the $600 that you know is the plan, but you don't even know if you have the money to work with. And then it, you do the $600 a month, but now you're short over here, so you end up racking up a bunch of credit card bills and things like that. So where I start is refocus on what's important to you, gain control and get your spending aligned with what is important to you, then set the plan. Okay? Now, that can be a little odd, and you have to work with your pastor and God through this as far as how does the giving and tithing piece work. Um, but I think in the last sermon I heard that you had a great phrase um, for if people should tithe, gross or nat, was it? Yeah. Um, and uh, what was your response to that? Uh, my, my response, which someone had to remind me uh, today, was uh, that's between you and God. Yeah. yeah. I get that question quite a bit. Um, when it comes to giving, what, how do I tithe? How do I give? And I encourage people to surround themselves with wise counsel, wealth partners, and one of those is pastor. 
Go visit with your pastor. And it isn't because the, the pastor is going to maybe give you the answer. They're going to help walk you through it in your faith um, to, to come up with what's right for you. So. Yeah, and I'll revisit this because I talked about it last week. How um, early on in my adult, adulthood, I uh, fully believed I didn't have enough to give and I didn't have enough to save. And... But what I didn't do was I never looked at what is current reality, and I never looked at a plan. And so I just assumed every month I don't have enough to give and I don't have enough to save, and so I didn't give and I didn't save. <laughs> and then you, you, you do that long enough uh, without a plan, you build a lot of debt, and, and you don't do the things that you really value yeah. because you don't really have any plan to do the things you value. Values, uh, desires are great, but if there's no action, uh, actionable plan to achieve what you most desire, you're never going to reach the goal. And so, over time, thankfully, uh, I learned from my mistakes. And that's how change happens, just so we all know. Uh, when uh, we see that the consequences are negative enough, <laughs> uh, we, dis- we then make change. And uh, sadly, too often we continue down the same path and we get in real trouble and uh, we, we're willing to endure a lot of negative consequences uh, before we change. Um, you know, David, I just had a, a thought. Um, real quick, we're, we're bumping up against our time and I will try to end this quickly. Um, I have two questions. One, can you, just for... Anyone here, I'm thinking especially with young people, I didn't, I didn't understand this when I was young. Um, can you explain compound interest like in 30 seconds? <laughs> compound interest. Not explain it, but what, what, what do people need to know right now? If they're a young person, they have little kids. I wish, I wish someone had sat me down when I was 20 or 18 even and said, listen, Buddy, you need to understand right now what compound interest is because it's a gift. <laughs> it is. Um, the earlier you can start saving, uh, the better. I have never had anybody uh, that I've visited with that has built wealth say, I wish I would have not started saving earlier. Um, think of it this way. Interest earned is a reward. Interest paid is a penalty. So if you're incurring debt or anything like that, you're paying interest, that's a penalty on your, your future. Um, and who's making money? Banks, financial institutions, which is fine. Um, I'm not mad at them or anything like that. They can go make their money. But I'd rather have you uh, make money and have that growth. So interest earned is, is a reward. Um, compound interest is when you make, uh, when you save, you get paid um, by your investments, um, uh, interest, right? Not only your initial um, amount of principal, but the gain. The next year, you're paid not only on the principal, but that little bit of gain. And over time, that grows exponentially. Um, so your money starts working for you and starts expanding and exponentially grows. That's a 30-second answer for you. Yeah. It, one of the things I, I said last week, which I just want to say again, is if you feel you don't have enough to save, um, maybe reorient even little things so that you don't go a month without putting something away in savings that you can't uh, get, at, get at. And speaking of savings... Um, Maybe two questions, then we're going to, we're going to be done. Um, one, um, how do you, you talk about an emergency fund, 
and um, and then uh, the the other fund that's leaving uh, short-term, short-term savings. savings. Yeah. yeah. Ex- can you explain what is an emergency fund and what is short-term savings? Well, uh, life happens. As much as I'd like to say, hey, here's your plan, follow through, life happens. Um, it, it just does. So what you want to create is a little buffer between you and life. Um, it's a risk management tool. The more you can self-insure, um, the better. Um, so you create a little buffer between you and life for those emergencies. And you set that aside. Um, and then, uh, so that's the emergency fund. Then you have your spending plan where your money flows. Here's my income, here's my outco, things like that. But some of those uh, items within your uh, spending plan uh, may be for things that are three months, six months, a year down the road. We take those and set those aside in a short-term savings account so that they're there for us. Because we'll be moving along in life, and all of a sudden our annual insurance payment, our six-month auto bill, our three-month water bill, because we're doing fine, and all of a sudden we get that big payment. Big payment, and that's what sets us back, right? But if that money is sitting there in your short-term savings, um, it, it's there and ready for you. It isn't um, a burden. And then when life does happen, we get um, an unexpected something. I, I don't like naming things because... Um, it's different for everybody, um, but you can use that emergency fund. Then we just go replenish it. So when I talked about the Andersons, for instance, you're like, oh, everything was rosy for them. Mm-mm. They had to tap into their emergency fund three times through that process. It wasn't perfect for them. Just because they had this strong, passionate why doesn't mean uh, to, to build a fund for Josiah means everything aligns now. Oh, they had some big issues but they figured it out and worked through it. Um, so that's one piece. I will give one tip um, on how to do the savings and, and budgeting. It's only take a second. Um, if you're struggling with where you're at and trying to figure out, okay, how can we come up with that extra for giving or saving? Um, every time you get a raise, simply take, you can use whatever formula you want. I don't care what you do with your money, but take 10% and and add it to your entertainment and, and spending, but you now have 90% of whatever your extra you're bringing in that you can take and allocate however you want to, either saving, adding to your, building towards your full tithe, what have you, because then you don't really miss it. It's new money. Because uh, if you don't do that right away, it, you just absorb it, and it's gone. I'll, I'll close with this. Um, years ago, I was getting into my, my 40s and playing pickup basketball once a week. And I noticed uh, on a regular basis, I was getting, getting beaten on the court uh, by younger, faster people. And so I, I talked to a friend of mine who's a personal physical trainer. He's a, a, a coach <laughs> for training. And I said, I'm sick of getting beat on the basketball court. What should I do? And what did he do? He looked at what is current reality. <laughs> And he, he said, let's go on a plan together and uh, let's meet uh, on a regular basis so you'll be held accountable. And over that journey, you know, I, I became more fit, more able to do, to keep up with what I want, what my desire was. And um, I, I hope maybe this has been a glimpse of the, and a helpful glimpse of the potential of what it would mean to pay attention and intentionally steward these things uh, in a process that's accountable. Um, you can do this with, you need to do this with your loved ones. Um, maybe you bring in uh, someone else that uh, is, can speak into your life. I don't know what it's going to be, but I've never met anyone who regrets the fact 
that they saved, that they got out of debt, or that they tithed. I've never met that person. And so if we can move in that, genera- in that uh, direction, uh, I think we'll all find less anxiety and more peace. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Dave, give Dave a big round of applause. You can have a seat. Uh, Dave is going to be with us, uh, Jill and me, at the welcome table after the service. If you have uh, some other questions, some of you text in some questions. I didn't get to them. Forgive me. You can ask Dave as we exit. Uh, I'm going to ask you to stand. We're going to be done. Um, We have people down front here who would love to pray for you. If you have a a need on your heart that you want prayer for, please don't leave with that need on your heart. Um, Let me pray for all of us as, as stewards of the resources God has given us and as disciples of Jesus. Let's pray. Holy God, we are grateful for the opportunity uh, that you have given us to steward these lives, to steward this world, to steward this church, to steward our families. Lord, uh, we are grateful, actually, that you're in charge and we're not, that you own everything and we don't have to and we don't. We are grateful, God, for the opportunity to... Um, Focus our minds and our hearts to what you value most. You are love. You are good. Your ways can be trusted. You can be trusted. And so, God, we trust you with these lives, these resources, this time, these gifts and these talents. Lord, help us be intentional. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a great week.